listen, you know the drill. Every series is a sweep outside of two so far this season. So we should just go ahead and congratulate the Cleveland Guardians on a four-game sweep of the Toronto Blue Jays because that's what happens. That's what occurs. We got the game. We have roster moves. And we have a lot of talk of Jose Ramirez. And, of, of course, it's not a Cleveland Guardians podcast if there is not something that Stephen Kwan did to make it all stand out all on today's episode of Locked on Guardians. You are Locked on Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked on Guardians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. I want to thank you for making Locked on Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is that you get podcasts. Let me adjust my camera angle maybe a little bit here. Uh, I also want to take a moment and introduce myself. If this is your first episode, still didn't put the pennant back up. Well, I'm going to pause. If you are watching at home, you'll do the pause, fix. It's back. If you're watching on the YouTubes, you know, you get to see cats and babies and quick changes, as well as some board games, uh, map of the game, uh, the stadiums I've been to. And more. Uh, as I said, I'm Jeff Ellis. I used to be the lead draft and prospect analyst at Scouting 24-7. Neither of those exist in terms of baseball anymore. <laughs> now I am all of Locked On. Before that, I was all over the Cleveland blogosphere, mostly known, again, for draft content. So on today's show, we, we're going to try to do draft content in segment three because uh, I didn't have an opportunity to do it this week because we had the great interview with Hunter Gaddis on Wednesday. Make sure to go check that out. I, you know, again, I'm really proud of the fact that, like, going through the data, looking at him and looking at, like, pitcher build, not pitcher build, but just performance and pitch mix, how much he does remind me of Eli Morgan, even though diametrically they are 100% different in build. You won't find two pitchers that are more different, but having that, like, fastball change combo that uh, is just a brutal, brutal difference, the high ability, uh, high strikeout rates, low walk rates little bit higher on the you know the fly ball home run rate but we talked about why that is not a big deal and i actually asked hunter about that on the show so you can go there and listen and see about all my crackpot theories that i bring up if they are true or not um before we get into it uh something that definitely set the locked on water cooler all uh all a flustery uh today i don't know if you missed it or not but uh katie nolan who does you know she's one of the big people in sport when it comes to uh why am i but you know journalism you know what this is to a degree (laughs) uh she talked about that how she prepares for games is she listens to locked on all week she uses this as her way to prepare for the matchups that she has to cover as a journalist so when the guardians are going to be on the friday night game which with the way they're playing and with some of the young you know with jose ramirez being as good as he is and Stephen Kwan doing what he's doing. They're bringing more eyes to this team than I think was expected. Uh, so when they are on, you know, when you're listening, hey, you can also know you're listening with uh, one of the big names in terms of journalism and someone who's going to announce the Guardians games. So that's that's kind of a fun thing. That definitely made us all, like, it was definitely a big, like, you know, oh, oh S, S word. You know, let's keep it family friendly. You know, it, it was definitely a moment of excitement in that group. Uh, let's talk about the Jose stuff first. So, you know, everything came out that, like, Jose Ramirez, like, his agent said, they can't give you what you're worth, uh, to which he's like, I, I don't care, <laughs> essentially. Uh, it's kind of interesting because 
listen, you know, LeBron brought a championship to Cleveland. LeBron is fantastic. This isn't necessarily, you know, I don't take this as an attack on him. Uh, but, you know, when he came back that second time and he was in the Apatow film where he was in love with Cleveland, it's like, that's all well and good, but let's be honest. Uh, LeBron is incredibly intelligent, calculating, and he came to Cleveland because it was his best chance to win as that Miami club was starting to implode. Uh, he made a smart cagey move. It was also a move that helped on multiple levels with everything else he wanted to do. He's always been a very smart human being. I don't know. I, I, I absolutely think he's fond of Cleveland. Uh, I don't think he like. I, I don't think he loves it the way Jose does. And again, this isn't to, to credit on him. I just think like I was thinking about that character and all the things about like you know a line about Ishii or Cleveland, and I'm like, no, that that actually applies to Jose. Like that was a line in a movie where uh, where LeBron played a hyper uh, sensationalized version of himself. And again, I, I think he has a lot of love for the Northeast Ohio. I'm not saying that. But Jose is the person who's like, no, I just never want to leave. Uh, and he, he did. He's, he's like, there's not a big difference in my life between 150 and $200 million, uh, which, I, I mean, I know there's a lot of people out there who thought that was a dumb statement. But it's like, you know, if you're not going to spend that extra $50 million, and I talked about it on this very show, I make now as an educator significantly more uh, than when I made in Ohio when I taught in a, a very um, you know a, a low-income district. I would give that up to teach in that district again if I could because that district was amazing. The people there were amazing. And there's comfort is something you can't put a price on, right? If you feel comfortable and it cuts down on your stress and you you just know that you live a happy life, why do you want to mess with it is sometimes how it is for a lot of people, right? And that's how it was for Jose. It's very clear that he loves Cleveland. He loves the idea of playing with one organization his entire life, being a Hall of Famer with one organization. Uh, you know, this is a place that the only parts in that thing where I was like, you know, I, I, am not criticizing Jose, but I, I didn't, I don't know if I want to say I didn't love, but the, the things that stood out in terms of it was just him talking about like, you know, he wasn't a big prospect and Cleveland gave him a chance and Cleveland brought him up to the majors and just being thankful for those chances. And those are the only parts where I'm like, no, they should be thankful to you for having those chances to add you. You shouldn't be thankful for them, for the opportunities. They should be thankful for having given you those opportunities. Uh, but at the end of the day, like I said, you, you can't put a price on what makes you comfortable and what makes you happy. And we should be thankful that Jose loves Cleveland that much. We talked about, like, this is where his daughter uh, was born. This is where, like, his family has set roots. This is where he is comfortable, and he has no interest playing anywhere else. And I mean, just be happy about that. Like, the only reason Jose is here is because Jose loves the city so much. Like, Jose should be, I had someone, and I... I should pull up the Twitter and look who's like, he should be on the Sherman Williams wall. It's like, he should be there permanently. Like he should have a, a statue outside ready to go. He should be the face of Cleveland sports. N you know, he, he loves it so much. He took less money to say he is, you know, a big advocate for the city. And he's also the best player in Cleveland. I mean, we don't have anyone else who's a perennial MVP candidate. Miles Garrett's a perennial defensive uh, player of the year candidate, uh, but there, there's not really anyone else you look at and you say this guy's going to win an MVP or be in the MVP discussion four or five years in a row. He's the top athlete, top performer in this city, and I mean, he put his money where his mouth is in terms of how much he loves Cleveland. Uh, just, again, just appreciate Jose. He's going to reset some record books. He's going to be one of the greatest players in modern history. When he retires, he's going to be the greatest third baseman to ever play for the Cleveland Guardians. And 
again, we should just be so thankful that he and appreciate a player who loves Cleveland. I mean, if you're a Cleveland fan, you know. Uh, I mean, I, I've I've lived in four different states, and it's people always crap on Cleveland. It's just a way of it. Unless they've been here, a lot of people who actually come to Cleveland are like, oh, hey, it's actually pretty nice. I always talk about the fact that it's got world-class museums. It's got a lot of... It, Cleveland's so much nice, you know, and it's always a thing. Like, this is my stand moment for the city where it's like, the only people who crap on Cleveland are people who have never been there or have been there once and, like, didn't go check out all the culture that's in this city. Uh, it, it's a pretty awesome place. I, like I said, I was just up there for a wedding. Talked about that a few weeks ago, and it just, you know, there's a lot of nice areas. There's a lot of nice parts, especially around the museums and case where they've like really done their best to kind of clean up and put a best face forward. It's a wonderful city. Jose sees that. And thanks to that, uh, Jose's staying uh, for a very long time. He said, I thought the article was interesting. It brought up some new vitriol from fan bases who really wanted their teams to acquire Jose. Uh, we know the Padres were close. It, it turned out that the Marlins contacted the Guardians, but didn't get anywhere. That's not a huge surprise. I couldn't see uh, the Marlins really paying the cost there. Uh, I think it would have been, if he hadn't signed the Padres, are where he would have likely ended up. Let's take a break here. We'll come back and talk about uh, today's game. And we'll talk about uh, Logan Allen and Bobby Bradley and what's going on with those uh, players designated for assignment. And our first sponsor is my favorite. And you know that means it's BuiltBar.com. It is the sponsor that I buy from. Right now they have their new granola bars. And the you can get a mixed box, which is likely what I would do, honestly. Uh... The coconut you can get, but they're sold out of the white chocolate raspberry and the chocolate peanut butter. I'm probably going to put an order in tonight or tomorrow on the mix box. And what I'll do, you know, I'm going to sit here and do it on the show. I'm going to log into my account. I'm going to put a mix box order in. As much as I have loved the um, yellow chirps, which are essentially a mini peep, uh, it's always good. And this is what I'd say. I, I think the best thing about Built Bar is to have a, you know, be able to mix them in and out, change up what you're getting. Uh, but yeah, I'm very curious to check out these new granola bars. And I'm going to go with the mixed one because again, I always think mixed is the best. It's the way to go. Uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna put an order right now. I'm going to use the promo code LOCK15. I'm going to get the mixed box so I can let you know what I think about their new granola flavors over at BuiltBar.com. So order is in now after I paused it over at BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code, save five bucks off. Uh, build up my built points. You get, you know, if you keep ordering, you get those built bucks. I took another five bucks off and then I'm getting 12 bars for 20 bucks. That is not a bad overall price, especially when you consider this is a high quality product. Go to BuiltBar.com today. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you too can try the best tasting protein bars I have ever had. Let's also talk about our good friends over at Blue Nile. This is your last opportunity, people. This is the last show before Mother's Day. Uh, you want to jump on this now. You want to get something for mom, something she's going to remember. Uh, or if you're like me, maybe it's not just mom. You're getting looking at something for as the, the joint gift with your, your kids for your wife. There's a lot of things to get when it comes to Mother's Day. And what better, you know, who doesn't like jewelry? Go to BlueNow.com today. And... This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Sports. Listeners get $5, or get, nope, get $50 off 500 Apparently, I can't read numbers. This podcast exclusive is only good through Mother's Day. Use code Locked On. That's code Locked On. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. You want to keep that surprise. 
Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. So let's talk about this game. Speaking of uh, gems, uh, see what I did there? Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it, it starts off, I get the alert on my phone that Stephen Kwan hit his first Major League home run. He had a two-run shot early in this one. You know, he has cooled down to the point where he's only hitting 328 with a 907 OPS. Uh, the score app is the one I use. I feel like every six months I get annoyed at whatever app is uh, I'm getting score updates on, either between them like taking too much in the background or not giving me all the updates on stuff. But uh, the score also did a Rookie of the Year piece recently. They had Quan third on that list, which I thought was interesting because of him being limited. I'm like, limited? Yeah, he maybe isn't going to be a 20-home run guy, but he's highly effective with what he is, and he's been a uh, plus defender as well so that's just a moment there to me like hey uh another and then the other thing that stood out honestly um as i joined kind of the game mid to late uh overall was uh fran mill after yesterday's game where it's like oh you know hope against hope maybe he's starting to come out of this slump he goes three for four today he has a Sure, you know, there was an opportunity late, and he did get a strikeout when the one time he did not reach a base. But still, he went three for four. That That's what you want to see. That's two strong games in a row for him. That's awesome. Uh, going up and down the lineup, you know, Andres Jimenez continues to stay hot. I think he's he got the highest batting average on the He does. He has the highest batting average on the team right now. Uh, 344, 895 OPS. He had a double with one of those hits. They didn't have a lot of walks. Just uh, two overall. So who reached base twice in this one? Well, Quan, and then uh, Reyes and Jimenez. And I believe that's it in terms of who reached base multiple times. Uh, it's it's a pesky lineup. I really... Here's the thing. Like, honestly, uh, I joined late, which meant that uh, you know, I, I kind of I jumped in about the fourth, and I watched from the fourth to the ninth. I'll go back and rewatch the earlier innings after I record this evening. It's I kind of like to throw those on while I do some editing. Uh, and you know, write things up for the podcast. But it's and one of the reasons is that I go back and do that. Um, I end up watching like the later innings twice. Is because this is a fun team to watch right now. This is a fun lineup. Is it perfect? No. Um, I'd love to see Owen Miller in that lineup. Uh, I don't love Rosario at shortstop over Jimenez. There's things I don't love. But man, if Fran Mill can get back to where he was. With some of the steps these younger players have taken, yeah, Straw has cooled off. Straw is closer to what he's probably going to be, which is about league average to slightly below. Quan is going to cool off a little more at some point, but he's still playing well. You look at Ramirez, you look at Naylor, who, I mean, I was questionable if he was going to be part of this team going forward. I, I'm not going to say that I've taken it all off the table. It's early in the season, but it's very positive in his return. If you had Fran Mill to that, you look at what Jimenez is doing, I mean, even Richie Palacios, he goes one for four, but it was a nice taking the ball the other way. He tried for a bunt hit, taking what the team gave him before he took it the other way. There's a lot of really nice pieces. And then at some point, like Nolan Jones, right? He's he's going to get an opportunity on this team. There's that next young wave that is going to hit, and it's it's going to be interesting. Now, the one thing it's like, I mean, I've talked about, like, to me, Brian Lavastida was probably like the ninth... 10th top prospect in the system. I still believe in him a lot, but 
you know, we can get into it. I put a tweet out with just in terms of like 11 names you need to know for the Rule 5 for next year. Like I started around this time, you know, a year ago, and they ended up adding 12 players. Uh, So this team at some point needs to consolidate trade. Or they need to do things like, you know, Tobias Myers hasn't looked great, and they traded, um, you know, a guy in high A for him. They they kicked the, Tampa kicked the can down the road. They do that all the time. Cleveland needs to do that. Uh, they need to figure something out. But it's it's fun to be in this situation. This is a fun lineup. And again, Owen Miller in would make it perfect. But where they are, um, yeah, it's it's a fun lineup. Jose Barrios is uh, in the past, you know, been someone that the Guardians have struggled against multiple times when he was with the Twins. So this was uh, it was nice to see them get to him early, get him out of this game, and they just continue to push let's do the box score figure out you know who who wasn't you know over or underperformed nine hits and a walk for uh and uh, a hit batter all for uh an intentional walk well no it wasn't intentional it was the the always famous intentional uh unintentional intentional walk to to vladi with uh when sandlin was pitching uh, so then that was the only walk. He also got hit. So they had 11 opportunities, and they got five runs. That's a that's a high rate of, of runs. We talked about it's closer to normally about a 3-1. to one. But they also had two home runs and two doubles, nine hits, but four of them for extra bases. Cleveland had 11 hits and two walks. That's 13 opportunities. Uh, so that's, I mean, getting six on 13 is, is also really good, especially when you consider the fact, I mean, they had what? They had the Quan home run and two doubles. So they had... One less extra base hit. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was a strong performance. Your three stars in this one, you're going to give one to Quan for his performance uh, coming in and what he did. You give one to Franmil for a three-hit game for sure. And I think I give the other one to Andres for two hits and one of them being an extra base hit. And Savali, four and two-thirds, six hits, no walks, four earned runs, eight strikeouts, one home run. Uh, Sandlin gave up a solo shot and then had some control issues was not it, it, and that's the thing like it's weird to look at that and be like he got a hold he gave up an inherited run uh to to San to Savale and then he gave up a home run but that's why holds are such a chunk stat Brian Shaw you know I I have that axe to grind but he's great and then class A just I you know people always stress about closers and none of them are perfect but he's really good I, I'm just curious anyone out there who has been, you know, messaging me uh, through Twitter or YouTube? It's like, are you feeling a little bit better about him? Are you, you kind of? I know he had a few bad games in a row, which always makes it even worse. But you have to feel comfortable with Class A. He's, he's the best closer they have had back there in a very long time, in my opinion. Well, since Cody Allen, you know, that's to me since Pete Cody Allen, uh, that's pretty clearly the top reliever they've had. Let's take a break here. We'll come back. Talk a little college baseball in the draft. We'll talk about the uh, roster moves that we finally saw what's going to happen with. All of that coming up in a moment on the show. So, I mean, it's the nicest possible way, bet online. But whenever I see your ad reads, it makes me sad that I missed out on the beautiful opportunity. And I gave, you know, everyone else out there, you missed out as well. When I was like, Stephen Kwan for Rookie of the Year, he's the ultimate dark horse, way off the candidate, way off the ballot, candidate like even it you know and it wasn't just me you know I talked about you know sarah's talking about it. other places that were on him as this dark horse candidate and we all missed it if if you actually did it let me know i'd love to hear from you uh and i expect a 10 percent cut on your wit i'm kidding 
Go to betonline.net, your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, news, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball, this weekend's Run to the Roses, as the Kentucky Derby is back. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. And if you do win an obscene amount of money, thanks to my advice on Stephen Kwan, uh, again, I don't expect any of a cutback, but I do expect you to go subscribe over on uh, YouTube and whatever your podcast service is. Remember to leave a review as well. That, that's the deal with that. You, you have to subscribe on everything if, uh, if I made you an obscene amount of money. That's, I think that's fair. So let's, let's talk about Bobby Bradley and Logan Allen. Uh, as I talked about on this very show, I said that Allen would likely get claimed because lefties live forever. Much like, you know, flags fly forever, uh, lefties fly forever. The Orioles claimed him. Uh, you know, Means is having Tommy John surgery. They're kind of a mess. Like, I mean, not kind of, they are. They just haven't put things together. I mean, it was a big rebuild, but they're still, like, really far out. Uh, I'm very curious to see... You know, we'll talk about it in a moment, but like the top of this draft is so prep heavy. Are they gonna are they gonna do that or are they not gonna do that with Baltimore having that first overall pick? The past two years they've gone way under slot uh early on and taken a kind of down the board talent. But this is a team, you know, uh Grayson Rodriguez is the starter, was in place before they got there. But I mean they're starting Jordan Lyles, Tyler Wells, Bruce Zimmerman. Kyle Bradish is a nice call up. Like I've you could find a lot that I've talked about Kyle Bradish over the years just based on the fact that this dude uh, pitched in the worst environment for pitchers and found success. Um, yeah, I would love... Uh, that's that's one of those things. When you look at what he did at New Mexico State, I've always been a little bit higher on him than the consensus. I was also thinking about uh, Zach Lothar, who I haven't... Uh, the Xavier kid, who I believe was in their system. I'm going to check out what he is up to. But... Yeah, they have a lot of kind of down-the-line types, but you even look at their prospects, it thins out pretty quickly for a team that has had a lot of high picks and has been really bad for a while. So it makes sense. Claim Logan Allen. They, I mean, they're running a lot of players out there that they got on waivers. That's that's just the truth of it right now. Give me one second. Sorry, full day of teaching, then you hop on the podcast and your voice starts to go. But, yeah, Baltimore claiming him makes perfect sense for that team. Maybe they figure something out. But, I mean, outside of means, do they really have a great pitching development success story? Uh, but good for Logan Allen. You know, good for any player staying in the big leagues. Bobby Bradley being first base only. They said at the time, I, who was going to claim him? Who was going to claim him? And he passed through waivers. I That means we don't see him the rest of this year. He's off the 40, man. He's sitting there in AAA. Uh, it means, I mean, Bobby Bradley is essentially playing out the year. And then I assume that he's going to end up just, you know, leaving as a minor league free agent to go somewhere else. But with the way the 40 man is set up and with as packed as that is, he's done. They're not going to have a spot for him. That's that's the end of Bobby Bradley in Cleveland. Um, I, I just don't see any way. Especially when you're getting down to it. It's like if you're going to add someone who's all power and big swing and miss, why wouldn't you go for Oscar Gonzalez right now, who hasn't had an opportunity who has outperformed him and who can play in the outfield. So uh, Bobby Bradley, he's, I want to say he's a cautionary tale, but he's definitely one of those guys that helped inform how I look at prospects 
and you know why I sometimes why like you know I'm lower on a um, on Noel than other people. It's like I don't get too excited about high level performance in low A. I just I I've seen too many guys. And again, you can go look at what Bobby Bradley did in low A, where he had that big huge breakout year, and then it just. You know, strikeout rate is is something. You you have to be aware of that. I mean, that's maybe no better indicator right now of you just it for so many players. It's going to be completely unsustainable to be an effective uh, big league player if your strikeout rate, your strikeout percentage is over thirty percent in the minors. It's just it is what it is. So let's talk a little bit. I thought it was kind of interesting right now if you go over to. Talk about college baseball, um, you know, the walk leaders, because walks tend to translate. The top three guys are really interesting players in general. So you got Jace Jung, who's a draft-eligible sophomore, younger brother of uh, Josh. Weird swing, but he's been really effective. Number two is Sonny Dechara, who was at, see, at Mercer. That doesn't sound right. He was at, the mascot was a dog. I don't remember why I know that. But he was at a, a very small program previously. And he always popped up because this is a two-way guy who just dominated offensively. A uh, fifth-year senior at Auburn transferred in. And, like, again, he's old. He's a fifth-year senior. He is, uh, like, six foot one, two forty. Like, he's going to get the bad body things. I see, uh, you know, our friend uh, over on Lockdown Prospects, Lindsay, call him the Thick King. And, you know, it, it fits. But dude just continues to rake. Like, he <laughs> he stepped in the SEC and has had no problems. I saw Keith Law put him in his top 100 prospects. I was like, I did not expect that. I just assumed his age and build would put him out of every model. But I think at the end of the day, it, it's interesting because, like, again, I looked at the Keith list very briefly. Briefly, No Ben Metzinger, who I kept saying he was a catcher because he's listed there. He's played entirely third base this year. So let's do a little bit of a course correction on that statement from a few uh, times the catchers by the way are very interesting you got uh, Dalton Rushing who is a catcher at Louisville who could be a second round pick and then the other one Jack Payton uh, younger brother of Mark Payton uh, former Guardians draft pick and Reds outfielder uh, who's not draft eligible but Rushing will probably go round two maybe round three uh, but yeah no Metzinger who's another like senior who's tearing up the ACC no mention of uh, the Hispanic Titanic uh, Andres Melendez, I assume because he plays in the SEC. And I think, you know, one of the big things that he's probably leaning into is just it, the SEC is just so head and shoulders above every other conference that when you go in and do that, that means something. And then third is Jude Fabian, you know, another senior. The interesting thing with Fabian is, like, he's really cut back that strikeout rate. He's a plus defender in center field. Uh, he's got pow- plus power. He's walking at a high rate. With him having cut back his strikeouts while playing in the SEC, how much? And again, he's not turning 22 until um, July. Like he was a young for his class uh, player all throughout. So it's not like he's that guy who's been. He's going to play his entire senior year at age 21. How high can he go? I feel like kind of the industry is a little lower on him. It's like above average a plus defender in center field is first off i mean bradley zimmer just because he can do that is bouncing around it's still in the league uh, this is a player who's performing at a high level in the top conference third in the nation of walks huge you know plus power potential i think jude fabian's gonna be in my top 20 prospects for this class when i just sit down and really hammer it out i don't see how he can not be and 
You know, I, he's some people have him below like Dylan Beavers or uh, Gavin Cross. I I think I'd prefer him. I'm considering me crazy right now, but I I think he is a better defender and center than either of them. And yeah, I get it. He's not the the batting average guy. Like that's your one concern, right? That he's never really. Uh, there's always been some contact issues, and that can be, you know, that's kind of like having control issues for a pitcher, but it's that stands out. And then I mean, you have to talk about it's at this point, Kevin Parada is absolutely ridiculous. You know, he's going to be probably a 40 grade catcher. Um, he's got a bit of a weird swing as well, but leads the nation in home runs at 23, 23 home runs in 45 games. He's going in the top 10 picks. He's the next Georgia catcher going in the top 10. I, I firmly believe he's going to go in the top 10 picks. Uh, after that, it's, you know, do you like Susack or do you like um, Logan Tanner, the catcher? But it's still, you're going to have three catchers going in the top 20. I feel very confident three college catchers in the top 20. Uh, this home run list, after Parada, you have Melendez from Texas, we talked about, and Matt Courtney from Old Dominion. Then if you're moving down, like Max Wagner is not draft eligible out of Clemson. Someone to look for next year's class. Um, Jason Hinchman, I feel like he's been around for a while at Tennessee Tech. He's always been a high-level performer, so the name stands out. Uh, you can just kind of Tommy White is sixth. You know, had that great start at the beginning of the year. And then one of the stats that you just have to talk about if you're talking about the Guardians is toughest to strike out. We know this is something that they look at. This was Ernie Clement was the toughest player to strike out in his draft year. We know they love contact types. And the the prospect here, like David Hogarth is number one from William & Mary, then Jacob Wilson from Grand Canyon, Danny Hosley from George Mason, Alan Roden, Crichton, then Josh Kasevich, Oregon. Draft eligible, legit shortstop, contact guy up the middle. Just saying, keep that in the back of your mind for the Guardians. That uh, Josh Kasevich in the third, fourth round, that seems like a pretty good match. And another name I want to throw out there for the Guardians, currently 14th hardest to strike out in the nation, 10 strikeouts and 147 at-bats, Jackson Appel, catcher from Penn. I think they'll double dip. It's an interesting catcher class. I've talked about that many times on the show. Appel is performing really well. They haven't taken anyone from the Ivy League in a few years, but there's a time where they really mind it. And I think the the, the value they place on smarts at the catcher position is going to make uh, a pen catcher all the more interesting to them so i think you know, that's one of those other names that really i was like okay i think that is a player that they might uh, try to target at various times uh, in terms of our strikeout to walk ratio you know that is something that this team looks at trey dombrowski it fits every box the monmouth lefty yeah he doesn't throw super hard He's like high 80s, low 90s, but what do the Guardians do well? They find another gear. They find that secondary gear. 89 strikeouts to 6 walks in 71 innings. Pretty darn good. He dominated in the Cape. Oh, that's something else they love. Uh, I, I I don't want to quite say, like, I bet the house, because maybe someone jumps him, but, like, trade Dombrowski on day two, I, I you know, I am very confident that that is going to happen. Uh, I saw, you know, Parker Messick. Uh, yeah, it's interesting because I just I wanted to read about the the Florida guys because they were very low on keys. And par- the knock on Parker Messick was that some people are saying he's not in shape. Uh, well, if he's not in shape, 
He's pitching really well for someone who's not in shape. So maybe there's some more growth and ceiling there once he gets into a, a program. And we didn't talk about on the show. We have to, though. Hunter Barco is the eighth arm to go down with Tommy John surgery. Uh, I still think Cleveland could target him uh, as kind of a slightly above slot guy later on. I don't know how much money he's going to want. The injury is going to set him back. But much like Tommy Mace, much like Jackson Leftwich, who they took a year ago, uh, both from that Florida program, not so much with Almond because he hasn't, wasn't there as long, but Leftwich and Mace were disappointing prospects who failed to add velocity at Florida, failed to develop at Florida. And that's kind of a theme. And then you look at the guys, like A.J. Puck, he's been a reliever for Oakland. Logan Shore was like Mr. Can't Miss. Uh, you know, I know someone who's now like a head scout in an organization that we had chats about, and he was like, you know, honestly, that person told me, he's like, I'd take Logan Shore in the top 15 because you know what he's going to be. That hasn't happened. Uh, Florida, I mean, I, Alex Fayeto was like my dude. Uh, that's one of those players I was so high on. There's something weird there in terms of development. Guys aren't developing. They aren't progressing. And that's why I think the Guardians like that program. So when you look at Barco, we know the Guardians love to buy low. With his injury, the fact that he didn't like find another gear still yet, that, that's all, all playing up. And then Brandon Sprout, I think, is the other... Florida arm where he's he's not even been able to keep a spot in the rotation where uh, Cleveland might again be like, okay, there's something not quite there in the development. We think we can take advantage of it. I'm sure I'm at like 40 minutes. No, only 33. Not too bad. Uh, you know, those are just some of the stats players to talk about. And then, honestly, more and more, I know this is, again, me going out there, probably speaking uh, outside of school when I shouldn't, but Cooper Gerpe... You know, a lot of people like Gabriel Hughes from Gonzaga right now is the top pitcher. Justin Campbell, Oklahoma State's really interesting. I'm I'm quickly tempted to say Cooper Jurpe is going to be my top college arm. Uh, it's a good program for development. It's he's playing well there. They it's a good developmental program with a player performing at a high level who's a lefty with good stuff, build, and experience. In a class where, like, most of the top arms are hurt, like, yes, sign me up for that right now. Um, I'm probably, probably more like low 20s for me, but, I mean, I'm going to have Brock Porter, Dylan Lesko in my top 20, probably, like, in the, the mid to late teens, because, you know, I, I don't like prep, I don't trust prep arms. I don't think I'm going to have a pitcher in my top 10. I don't think I'm going to have a pitcher in my top 15. The college class with the injuries and everything else, it's like, might as well go bat. And that's why, again, I think, you know, everyone focuses on what the Guardians did a year ago, taking all of those arms. And I'm not saying they're not going to end up with more arms than bats, but I also don't think they, you know, they leaned into the depth of the draft. And I don't think they're going to overdraft necessarily uh, just to get another arm. I think they'll see what's there. They'll value it you know, with their valuations and, and go based on data. Um, you know, the, the one thing is the, the prep players are, that's going to be the talk. Elijah Green, Drew Jones, Cam Collier, and uh, Jackson Holiday, right? Matt, so you got three sons of major leaguers in there uh, and Tamar Johnson. And so you got, what, three sons of big leaguers, a son of a NFL player, and then the best uh, hit tool in the class. So, you know, it's it's if you're feeling confident taking prep bat early, you almost have to. 
I, I mean, I really like Brooks Lee. He's about the only player you consider even remotely uh, in that kind of top five. But where else are you going to go? I mean, it's one of those things, like, I, I had Robert Moore, like, in my top ten because it's like, doubt this guy what you will. And, you know, yeah, he's undersized, but all he does is all the uh, – he's been awful. Caden Wallace, you know, another Arkansas guy. It's like, okay, what is it with Arkansas and underperforming in your draft year? I, I just feel like I'm like who uh, who has performed well there? Um, yeah, it's it's a brutal class right now. It just it is. Uh, I thought this was going to be a super deep, super interesting class, and it's interesting in terms of like you know injured players. But we could legitimately get to the point where you look at this class where you could have you know Cam Collier, son of Lou Collier, uh, Justin Crawford, son of uh, Carl Crawford. Drew Jones, son of Andrew Jones, Jackson Holiday, son of Matt Holiday, Elijah Green, son of Eric Green. Those five sons of professional athletes all go in the top ten because there's just not. The college class has had some players step forward, but not like. You know, Brooks Lee is probably not going to be able to stick it short, and he's average power, and he's still the top college player in the class. No one else is. You know, Brock Jones was supposed to be one of the contenders. Chase the louder. The louder broke something. Brock Jones imploded uh, at Stanford this year. Uh, it's no one's stepping up. This entire class has hurt or underperformed. So it's like, okay, prep talent is the way to go. It's it's a bad draft class. It is. It's just, like I said, if you can get one of those prep players I mentioned, or Brooks Lee, like the top six or so, you're in good shape. This is not a year to draft like 7 to 15. Guardians pick 16. Uh, you know, it, I get, that's the thing, though. It's like, Okay, so in fairness, it's like maybe Kevin Parada. It's just how much do you value defense? Because he's not stellar at catcher defense. He's the guy who stepped up. He's the one who's performing and, and, and showing up. But when you look at kind of what the list looked like before the year began, you can go find my mock over, uh, you know, it's linked in my Twitter profile where Jeff MLB draft. But man, this class. I, I know, people have been asking. Um, I'm going to find the next time we got kind of a soft spot in the schedule, an off day in there, and I'm going to I'm just going to do a quick mock because uh, it's it's overdone, it's overdue. I've spent so much time through the years researching the data. I can access it pretty quickly in my own mind about tendencies. So, we will talk more draft. Let me know, do you want more or less draft on the show? I went extra long today because I'm giving you some of that draft content. People have been asking me for it. Uh, I'm sure I will connect with Lindsay and we'll start talking as well, but I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Guardians podcast for this week. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It helps. Subscribe on the YouTube. Let's see what our YouTube subscriber count is. We need to get to 1,000 to be able to monetize the stream, which would be utterly amazing for me. We are currently, let's see. Oh. Uh, I want to thank Paulo and William, new commenters, and Jess Marsh, who's a new subscriber. Uh, that's a pretty, oh, it sounds like I'm losing the, the thing in the background. We're at 179. So let's, uh, keep pushing. Thank you all who have subscribed and who download. I can see it hanging in the background. I got to get better tape, huh? I've been Jeff Ellis. This is the Lockdown Guardians podcast this week. Thank you all again for listening, uh, and allowed me to have some fun. Uh, this was not a super late show, so I didn't get slap happy. Let me know what you think about those ones. The, uh, the duel <laughs> twice, no, only one, 1 a.m. show this week, uh, and man, terrible ending here. Uh, again, thank you all for listening. I do really mean that from the bottom of my heart. And as I end every episode now, go, go, Guardians, go.